hi everybody. I'm Kristen Stanton and this is Scotty Stories, our podcast about the journey from life as a CMU student to life as a successful working professional. Our guest today is Jeremy Tillman. Jeremy is currently the Chief Product Officer in the Warner Media Innovation Lab and he has a wealth of experience as a product leader in the media, hardware, and consumer product space. He's also an entrepreneur and has built and sold several startups. So Jeremy, with so much experience working in media and tech, I feel like you probably have many interesting stories to tell, um, but let's go ahead and start at the beginning. Um, I, in my work in advising students, I encounter um, many these days who are eager to become product managers and some of them know what that means and others have just heard the title but don't really understand what a product manager does. Um, so as a former econ major, can you tell us a little bit how, about how you got into product management? Absolutely. Uh, I, I'm going to be honest, I might fall more into the latter camp than the former. It's, uh, <laughs> it's one of those career fields that I think the world of product management has changed more times since I've been in it than, than I, I can choose to count. So when I first started in the field, I wrote a 250 page, what's called a use case document. It's designed to outline like every scenario that a user might have using a product. So you write things like, if they push the right button, this thing happens. If they push the left button, this thing happens. And you and you do it ad nauseum. And the point is that's like the playbook that the engineers use to build something. These days, you would never, I mean, like people would laugh at a 200 page document. You know, you would, you would, you would never even consider such a thing. It's living, breathing, agile thing. So, I think the the essence of what product management does, though, is, is sort of where I was hinting at, and, and and what's changing is the tools and the and the and the requirements of how you get there. Fundamentally, we are the ones sort of building playbooks for people to build products with. Uh, I often make the analogy that we're like a general contractor on building a house. So you have somewhere you have an architect, you have a plumber, you have an electrician. You also have the family who plans to build or or the company that's building the the, the property. And, and your job as the general contractor is to understand all of their needs. So you have a budget, you have a time frame, you have resources, you have the designers who are gonna do pick the paint colors or what all the things that are gonna happen. That's really a lot about what the product, product manager does. We have users of our products. We have a budget to go on. Instead of having a plumber and an electrician, we might have programmers or data scientists. Instead of having a person who's going to live in the house will have users of the house uh, of, the, of the product. Um, and then you have the company and the company's business goals as sort of the other end of the check and balance. And so uh, I used to say we're like a traffic cop because we're the ones trying to figure out what to do next. But I think the general contractor analogy works a little better. Mm -hmm. So you need to know a little bit about all of those things and know how to work with uh, people really well, it sounds like. Yeah, you, you have to like working with people um, because part of the job is, I mean, I'm the guy saying no a lot. I'm the guy telling people things are delayed a lot. I'm the guy telling people that it's not going to have the same feature we thought it would a lot. So you are the bearer of bad news quite a bit in the job. Mm -hmm. You also happen to be the shepherd of good news. So you have to be able to roll with those punches. I think it's the to me, the job of product manager, it's as much being somewhat technical, somewhat user-centric, somewhat business-oriented. You have to be, you have to be able to dabble in all of them, but fundamentally you have to be that 
rock communicator. You have to be transparent and you have to not take too much personally because you are the messenger for so many things. All right, that's good advice. And um, you were the first VP of product management for a company called Sling Media. So how did you land that role and how did CMU or specifically Dietrich prepare you to navigate what uh, at the time I'm guessing was a pretty brand new career path? It, it was a pretty new path. Uh, so I'll, I'll tell that, I'll answer that sort of in the order you asked it. The, the way I got the role candidly, and, and it's probably as much good advice as anything, was literally through connections. Um, that company, as they were getting started, I had met the founders at uh, an industry conference. We had spent a bunch of time together on using technology from the previous startup I was at. And so when they started the startup, they they basically were looking for someone to build a, build the product and they liked my approach. They liked my philosophy. They liked my demeanor, all that kind of thing and came in and, and off we went. The way CMU prepared me for the role, I think candidly the, the pressure at Carnegie Mellon at, to, to mm -hmm. students at every level pr really prepares you for almost anything in life. Uh, you know, it's why I'm so quick to, to bring, if I see CMU on a resume, you know, they're at least getting a, a, a phone call if nothing else. So I think the prep work of just being able to manage all of the stuff you got to do as a student there, that alone is half the battle for, for winning any job. I think in particular, the, the, the interesting thing about econ, it, it's, it's funny you brought that up in, in that I've always looked back on my major as such a perfect major for people like me who are actually good at a bunch of things, but not necessarily outstanding at any one thing, right? Like, like engineers are great programmers and logical and code and all that. And, you know, scientists do their thing and chemists and doctors. And, and then there's someone like me where I'm like, well, I'm kind of good at a bunch of stuff, but I'm not, I'm never better than someone else in the room. Um, I think the econ degree though, gives you a certain level of versatility and a certain uh, understanding at a fundamental level of how things work, right? Because when it comes down to it, economics really just rules so much of how decisions are made, whether it's political, business, whatever. So it sort of teaches you to look under the hood at like, what is the what are the motivating factors to get people to do things? I think there's a lot of parallels between that and a lot of different types of business roles, such as product management, and, and, and other related fields. Mm -hmm. um, and what advice do you have for students who are looking to get that first job or internship? Because product management is, is really competitive these days. Um, and for students who don't land the job that they want, what experience do you think could be helpful in getting them there eventually? It's a good question. There's a lot of ways into the field. Uh, I have managed product managers who came out of QA, who came out of customer support, who came out of um, uh, marketing, uh, people writing marketing materials, uh, former programmers and engineers. Um, I'd say actually probably the only fields that don't tend to go into PM are like sales types of roles. Um, I, don't, I, I don't necessarily say have one particular tip. I would say it's somewhat more like this. You, you've got to get close to that to that core role. So whether it's project management, uh, again, QA, customer support, you have to be able to talk enough of the talk of what a PM does. That's important. Um, so if you can't get the first degree role, which would be a PM, you get the first adjacency role where you're interacting with PMs all the time. Like 
people don't like to think of jobs. It's funny, I'm going to keep coming back to it, like customer service and QA, because they don't tend to be like glorified jobs. But the reality is the exposure you get in those kind of roles can be fascinating and really, really informative toward a longer career path. I think I would say, you know, A, don't fret about this first job too heavily because whatever you're going to go through there, your eye on your eye on the prize is what are you learning in that job? Who are you meeting in that job? What are you getting exposed to in that job? Not, okay, now I'm 22 or 23 and I'm, you know, I have this entry level role. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Like that's that's the wrong outlook. My favorite story actually on this came from when I graduated college from a friend of mine. She was went to politics and was went straight to DC after graduating. Six months later, we were on the phone catching up. How's it going? She said uh, she was working in Senator Kennedy's office. She said, "Well, I'm stapling. I'm faxing. Remember, this is the '90s. I'm faxing. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm I'm making lots of calls. I'm." organizing lots of folders and files and whatnot. I was like, oh, that, that sounds like kind of a drag, to be honest. I don't mean to be <laughs> rude, but that doesn't yeah. sound super fun. She said, you're right. It's the day-to-day the -day work is not fun, but I am getting to understand the inner workings of a senator's office. So that if I want to go deeper into politics after I'm 22, 23, 24, um, I've, I've become exposed to what happens at that core level. And that, that was one of the most impressive things I've ever heard. I, I wish I was that smart at that age, but I just, I sort of echo that as a way of thinking is take your first job as a chance to get exposed to what the role of product management truly is, because it too doesn't, it's not always glorious. It's not always the most fun. It is often the slog of, of making bad trade-offs. So uh, don't get me wrong, I love what I do and I always have, mm -hmm. but it, it is not, it is definitely not for everybody. Um, mm -hmm. So I think your first, first challenge would be really validate that it's what you want to do. I think the second thing is beyond like just getting close to it is getting exposure possibly in a field you really like. So product management in media is slightly different than product management in, I don't know, dating apps, which is different in, um, server management technologies, like customer service rep technology, Q, uh, CRM, like there's so many areas of, I mean, and, and, and don't not to mention physical product, like packaged goods, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think you just got to pick a couple of those angles and start putting them together. The last thing I'd say to anyone still studying is there's so many resources for you to be learning and building from, whether it's blogs, podcasts, uh, Slack groups, uh, Twitter, wherever you want to go, but start really getting exposure to people whose jobs is, is that job you think you want and reading what they write about the job, um, making sure it lines up to the expectations you have of what you think you want to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great advice. And I'm glad you said that because a lot of what you said kind of resonates with what I tell students to do when they have no idea about what they want to do, which is think about what interests you instead of thinking about yeah. a role, thinking about thinking about a company or a mission or a product. Um, and, and so now you're kind of in this, um, you're in what I would call like a, maybe like a dream job. You're in an innovation lab and I'm not sure what happens in the innovation lab, but can you tell us more about, uh, about this particular organization and what you all do and what you maybe look for when you're hiring? Absolutely. Uh, this, it, it is, uh, it is pretty, pretty much in that dream job place. I got to say, it's a lot of fun. We 
So, so first, the lab was announced about a year and a half ago. Most of us who work there now were staffed up about a year ago. So we're, we're still really new at getting it going. Um, we have two main functions. The first is an actual physical space. So in New York City off the High Line, there's now a 20,000 square foot facility with lots of cool tech and cool tech as it pertains to media. So we have not only a, a green screen room, we have something called a volumetric capture studio where you can go in, uh, close your eyes for a second, picture you in sort of a large closet. It's green on every walls and there's literally 36 cameras at every angle you could imagine. So you can go in that room and do a little dance or pretend to run or anything you do physically will be recorded from every angle possible and can be recreated as an augmented reality object. Wow. That was a lot to say. Uh, and it sounds really weird, but basically imagine going in, do a little dance. And now you can insert your little dance into like a Snapchat video or something like that. And you can actually rotate yourself, not just, um, not just in 2D, but in 3D. So you can look at yourself from the top of your own head perspective if you want. Like it's, it's, right. it's cool. We have yeah. an immersive room, which is uh, projection map walls on uh, every, every, basically think of like uh, of all of the walls in the room you're in as if each, each uh, pixel was actually a lot living pixel like it is on your computer screen. Uh, and we have in that same room, we have all sorts of sensors. So we could do a thing where you could point at the wall and say, I don't know, play the matrix. And wherever you're pointing to the movie, the matrix just starts playing. Um, wow. it's, Is this it's where me. we were supposed to meet to do our podcast in person? Yeah, that, I'm, yeah, it, I'm it's, so bummed out now. <laughs> we, and, and that's just, I mean, we have so much other tech and yeah. it's all around media experiences. We have virtual living rooms and things like that with the whole point of how do we help our company advance the concepts around storytelling? Right, we are we are going through an amazing time where how storytelling changes. What are the impacts of things like TikTok and YouTube on professional content? Right, the answer is a lot. We need to learn from them. We need to watch them. We need to figure out what to do with them. What are the impact on COVID? Right, everybody's launching watch party style apps and experiences. What is the future of augmented reality? I don't know if you followed um, Snapchat's recently expanded to what's what's called massive AR, where mm -hmm. Imagine not just pointing at the wall, imagine walking down um, Broadway and you point at the, I actually did this already, they point at the Flatiron building and it became a scene out of Game of Thrones. Um, wow. There's there's some cool things happening in our world. And so mm -hmm. our physical space is there to help us really explore what the future of storytelling can be. The second half of what we do, that's only half the job. The second half of what we do is kind of a new product studio. So I'm basically tasked to help the company do leapfrog style technology. So it's a it's, it's a lab, but not like um, a pure R&D center. We're not doing the, you know, in 15 years when we're all watching 7G hologram movies, you know, from inside our own eyeballs or whatever, <laughs> we're, we're, what is the technology coming in the next six to 24 months that we should be looking at and how do we platformize it? So we pay attention to things like Fall Guys and Among Us, which are two of the hot games out right now. Mm. You know, I look at Fall Guys and within a day we put together a quick point of view and sent it off to one of the animation teams. Like there should be a Batman cape you can buy in Fall Guys or a Superman cape or a Wonder Woman thing or whatever. Um, looking and having points of views and then actually building prototypes of stuff is also part of what we do. So I've been working with the HBO Max team on the future of HBO Max and with CNN on future of news 
And we build prototype apps, we build next-gen experiences, we build all sorts of cool things, again, trying to use the latest technology. So I did a thing where we use machine learning to identify clips that match um, loose descriptions. Like for example, if I wanna say, show me every scene in Game of Thrones that happens with snow in the background, right? We, we, we built a prototype of how that would work. Um, we're not always specifically like mission driven, like go figure out X, Y, or Z. Sometimes we're just looking at platform level technology. Where do we think, where, where is viewing shifting, right? Should we, should we look at releasing a whole movie inside of Fortnite, for example? Um, that's the kind of stuff we're taking a look at. And it's this fun. is your job. <laughs> that's pretty yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah, that's, that's, I don't get to just sit around and play Fortnite. So anyone who's thinking that's part of the job, it is not. <laughs> that, that, those are jobs, but they are not mine. Um, but we do, you know, I have to be aware of what's going on. I have to, I do a lot of reading and research. I I'm always have to keep up on the latest trends. Part of the hard part there is also trying to predict which trends are sticky and which aren't, right? And look, nobody gets that perfectly, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, again, going back to what does it take to do this job well? Part of it is being very comfortable that, that I will be wrong a decent amount of the time. Right, but mm. hopefully, I'm as informed as I can be about recommendations, and I always have data to back up why I'm making a certain path or a certain certain choice. Uh, but I'm wrong a bunch, so that's that's part of the job too. All right. So last question, and speaking of recommendations, um, I know that you're a bit of a TV buff, and you have your own podcast called Wingman Daily. And I didn't, I watched a little of it, but it seems like it's you and a friend who's a millennial discussing um, the nuances of classic TV and movies um, from the that's, 80s. That's pretty, that's pretty good considering we do no intro or setup whatsoever. Yeah, I, I'm sort of the, the Gen X, he's the millennial. And what yeah. we do is we pick topics and we, uh, we, so we do like top five animated movies of all time. And so we have his perspective and mine which tend to be pretty different because of what we were brought up with and what we weren't. Okay. Thanks for, thanks for giving it a, a listen there. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, and so my ask of you now is that um, we have this entire um, group of students on campus who are basically quarantined in their dorm rooms. It's about to be winter in Pittsburgh. So if you had to recommend um, an oldie but goodie to a group of 18 year olds, who are stuck inside, what would you tell them to watch? That's a good question. So you have a lot of hours to cover. Uh, yeah. It's not that old, but it's probably out of a lot of people's radar. I would argue The Sopranos still holds up really, really well. Uh, I actually just, it's funny, I'd watched the first three seasons like way back and only watched the last three seasons like last two, two or so years ago. And I found it held up really nicely. So that's like, uh, it's a good 70 hours right there. Um, that's a good one. Everybody's still digging the West Wing, so that's always a good choice. Uh, I think if you never saw L.A. Law, that could be a fun old, old, <laughs> old school binge and probably give you the most, between L.A. Law and Miami Vice, give you the best real picture of the 80s you'll ever get. Um, L.A. Law was 80s. I thought that was 90s. Okay. No, I mean, the end of the 90s, yeah. Okay. But, uh, okay. And then the show I'm watching right now that is definitely captivating, and we'll have to agree in case you have seen it, no spoilers, is uh, Money Heist on I've Netflix. I've not seen it. It's, uh, it's a Spanish heist movie uh, uh, show. Uh, my only tip there is don't turn on um, 
audio dubbing, just watch for the subtitles. But <laughs> I think those picks alone will get anybody through at least a month of a Pittsburgh winter. Nice. All which, right. Which which I had enough of myself. But uh, you know, it gets cold. Those are some good shows. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Jeremy, for your time. Um, that was fun. And uh, I learned a lot. So I hope everybody else did too. Thanks for including me. I had a great time and good luck, uh, everybody out there. It's, uh, it's a tough slog, but uh, it pays off in the end. And I hope to see you out there in the workforce. <laughs>